0: I'm Sarah Lindquist from Fuse. We're an early stage venture firm based right here in the Pacific Northwest. And just like the founders in our portfolio, we are just getting started. We believe that founders deserve more, more urgency, more community, more expertise, more reliability, more of everything. And we aim to deliver. Join me as I introduce each of our portfolio companies in the Fuse family to date. Today, I sit down with Rich Rogers and Akila Tadinata, founders of Zamelgo. Join us as we discuss the evolution of manufacturing and the shift towards Industry 4.0 and how Zamelgo is completely transforming factory operations and supply chains. Let's get started. Akila and Rich, thank you so much for being here today. It's awesome
1: to be with you both. Excellent, thank you for having us. We're super excited.
0: Yep, thank you for having us. Yes. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I know both of you have crazy schedules right now, so I appreciate you, yeah, just spending some time with me to share both of your journeys and also the Zamelgo story. So to kick things off, it would be great if you could share a quick overview about what the company is and how it serves customers today.
1: So Zamelgo, we deliver smart manufacturing software, right? And so this is software that really helps manufacturers be as efficient as possible in their operations. And so part of that is providing real-time visibility to inventory levels, to work orders, to shipments, to tools and blueprints, you know, that are sort of floating around. It's sort of like our goal to almost like put the entire factory right in the pocket of that operational leader. And so, you know, 24-7, 365, anywhere in the world, pull open their phone and then see exactly where things are in the operation. The large majority of that data is captured through sensors, right? And so we're also really working hard to eliminate the burden on the workers, to barcode scan and to manually enter that data. So for us, it's really providing a win-win solution, minimizing the burden on the workers, and at the same time giving the leaders real-time visibility to where things are at.
2: Yeah, I think the way I explain it to people joining our team is manufacturing today is like driving around with a paper map and Mm -hmm. we want to change that and replace that with actually having the map on your phone, like a Google map, right? And we want to use sensors, AI and machine learning in order to enable that for people.
0: Love it. That's great. It would actually be super helpful. I was going to ask this a little bit later, but I think it just segues well here. Can you also explain just a bit about the industry and digital transformation shifts at large? I think that would be really helpful for anyone who maybe isn't familiar with RFID, but how is that looking
1: across factories and supply chain? And why is the timing so great right now? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a fantastic question. The simple truth is manufacturing is behind from a technology standpoint. And then Akhil and I, when we first launched Enelgo, one of the first things we did is visit factories, like all throughout the Pacific Northwest, getting tours, looking around, seeing how people were operating. And it was really sort of prehistoric. There's not a lot of software. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of technology. The software that's in there is from the 80s and 90s, early 2000s. And so we right. you know, we saw IBM PCs, we saw window applications, we saw spreadsheets up and running. There was sort of like a real lack of apps and a real lack mm-hmm. of, sort of collaboration software And so I think that's why we're so excited about the space. And we sort of look at what happened in retail. And as everyone knows, like retail has completely transformed over the last 25 years. Amazon started with a very simple website selling books, and then they proceeded to apply technology to like every facet of the retail operation. And so we sort of got the sense manufacturing is about to go through that same exact 25 year journey. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, these projects will start small, but they'll ultimately ripple through the end to end operation. They'll ultimately connect to the partners and the other supply chain participants in the ecosystem. But yeah, it just really is a fascinating space and super exciting.
0: Yeah.
2: My dad worked in manufacturing his entire life. And so I feel like when I talk to him, a lot of the focus has really gone into making the machines like the PLCs and all of that. But really the back office, how do you get data about your operations, like that aspect of it the software there has been super lacking. And Mm -hmm. so how do you manage your factory when you don't have access to real-time data, you know, when you don't have access to those apps? I remember the first person that we met on the manufacturing floor said, everything outside of factory, I can do that using apps. Once I come inside the factory, I'm copying stuff from DOS prompts into Excel files. Like, it just seems like two (laughs) different worlds that I'm (laughs) operating in.
0: Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Gosh, well, it's gotta be so... Rewarding and challenging both at the same time to get your initial reaction from your customers or even like when you're going out on market and trying to have these conversations. How have you found the shift in conversations? Are people, obviously you're taking a big role in educating them about what possibilities are out there, but how has that response been?
2: I think even in the four years that we've been doing this, I remember the first two years, the minute we would say RFID, people were like, what? I remember one conversation that we were part of. Somebody said, oh, I attended this conference and somebody mentioned like AI to me. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like I don't care about that stuff, right? Because it doesn't really apply to me. And he said, your presentation is the first presentation when I'm looking at it and I'm going, wow, like this could be something that I can use. So exactly like you said, I think the first two to three years were just like walking in and educating people Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. there was a different approach here. I don't think people had even in their faintest idea considered a different approach than how they were up. They knew it was inefficient, but it was always like, that's the cheapest way to do it. And there's no other cheap way to solve these problems that I have today, or like cost effective way of solving these problems. I think post COVID, the conversations have definitely changed i think the supply chain disruptions have helped i think there's a lot of onshoring happening here in the us that people are really like starting to look at manufacturing afresh and they're saying okay one i can't be reliant on just like global supply chains all the time i need to be self-sufficient to the point where if something happens to the supply chain i'm still able to like process my customers orders and then in order to do that i can't just keep hiring more people there's labor shortage that people are dealing with everywhere manufacturing included there's extreme labor shortage and then if you want to hire qualified people you have to be paying them qualified dollars right you can't be mm-hmm. paying you know 15 an hour because an amazon warehouse is going to pay them more than that Or if you want to hire millennials, right, you're not going to get millennials come in and want to punch into like Excel files. And that's a real problem. Millennials come in and I talked to a bunch of manufacturers and they say like the next day they leave and go to Amazon warehouse because they see better chances of growth there they can access more technology there. So I think it's been a little bit of awakening in manufacturing, honestly, where people are realizing that if they don't innovate, if they don't come up with modern systems that they put in place, if they don't start to look at how to run their operations remotely, how to consolidate their supply chains, they may not exist tomorrow. It's not a one manufacturer problem. And I think that's what Rich and I have been trying to tell everybody, it's the community, it's the country has to come together to solve these problems. It can't just be, oh, I solve it in my own small niche because manufacturing at the end of the day is a community, it's a community activity. So yeah, it has to be that the whole community has to come together and say, yeah, we have to innovate if not another country or, you know, another, it's not going to be the guy next door is going to get my business. Another country is going to get your business. It's definitely a critical point here, at least for US manufacturing, that people have to either change how they do things or they may not even exist. It's kind of like Detroit when the whole automobile crisis happened. So yeah,
0: anyways, that's my take on it. That's great. That's really helpful color. Rich, anything to add there?
1: Just to reiterate, the space itself is super exciting. There's tremendous investment like coming into the space. There's been a lot of VC dollars and funds poured into it. At the same time, there's been a lot of false starts. When people talk about Industry 4.0, There's been this challenge of how do I get out of pilot, like into production, right? Because a lot of these projects don't make that jump from pilot to production. And I think when Akhil and I looked at it, the challenge was that a lot of these projects were being led by software people, you know, IT people. And there's people with 25 years of software experience trying to jam a solution, like into the factory without really connecting, you know, with the people on the floor or understanding like the real challenges and the opportunity. And so for us, again, launching Zenelgo, we really wanted to make sure that every line of code we were writing was going to add value to the workers, right? And, and so rather than us going into a cave and coming out with something, we really took a co-creation approach, right? And so mm-hmm. engage very deeply with the workers on the floor, understand what their challenges are, and build a solution that they can even operate. Because as you know, a lot of the factory full of workers are intimidated by technology. They didn't really grow up around technology. They don't have computer science degrees. But they are familiar with And rightfully so to your point about what has existed to date. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like Nikola was saying, they're familiar with the apps on their phone. And so at one point it just clicked for us. Like we need to build Zenelgo solutions that basically are very similar to the apps that they're already using in their consumer lives.
0: I'd love to actually back up a little bit. Want to kind of dig into that
1: key aha moment
0: and what that was for both of you. But also would love if you could both share a bit about your background and how you got connected. And then, yes, how that aha moment came about for building Zamelgo.
1: Prior to launching Zamelgo, both Akhil and I had worked at Hitachi. Hitachi is honestly a very, it's a fantastic company. 330,000 employees worldwide. They build bullet trains and power plants and heavy construction machinery. They build MRIs, you know, elevators, electron microscopes. They really build everything. And on top of that they have a tremendous number of software patents right and and so for us it was just this amazing place to sort of learn about the challenges of industry 4.0 and iot and then how some of those technologies could be applied to manufacturing and to the supply chain and so i'd say let's just say like three or four years into that journey we started to realize that we need to go faster right because you know Mm -hmm. as you know bigger companies can only go so fast in the market We were realizing like the market needs these solutions today. They can't wait four years or five years. And so, yeah, at that point, we decided just basically leave Hitachi, launch some Elgo here in the Pacific Northwest. And like we said earlier, just engage like very, very deeply with the aerospace industry as well as other small to mid-sized manufacturers. And so, yeah, it's been pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. It's like the aha moment was kind of similar timing and experience for you, Akila.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking, so this year I've worked with Rish 10 years, so it's amazing. Oh, congrats, you two. That's awesome. Yeah, but I think it was two things. One, like Chris said, Hitachi was just amazing. We got the opportunities to actually work on a lot of new products at Hitachi build them from scratch and launch them. And I think I at least realized that that was something that I enjoyed quite a bit, you know, just a mm-hmm. blank sheet of paper working on that. And I know we had joked around a couple of times saying we should like go to our own startup. But when we really started looking at Industry 4.0, it sort of just became very obvious as to how massive this shift was going to be. And I remember one of the people that I worked at Hitachi telling me this saying, very few time in our lives as technologists, we're at a point where, you know, something is starting to take off and how amazing is it that you can, you get to be a small part of it to define what that next wave needs to be, right? To mm-hmm. define like what that next wave of technologies need to be. Kind of like if you were there at the beginning of web or if you were there at the beginning of mobile, you sort of get to define how that changes. And I think that's how we fundamentally looked at Industry 4.0. It was not just, oh, I built this app and that's the end of it, right? This was gonna be how manufacturing was gonna be done for the next 50, 100 years is fundamentally changing. And we are just at the very, very beginning of this, right? So I think that was the most exciting part of it is that we actually get to define this journey going forward.
0: Yeah, and for those of us who are just digging in, what is the key step change to the definition of Industry 4.0?
2: Yeah, so people have talked about industrial revolutions. There was steam, there was electricity, then there was digital, and that's like changed how manufacturing is done. And now we're talking about sensors and machine learning. There is 3D printing, additive manufacturing. There are some of these technologies which have come together where how you do manufacturing is gonna change, right? There's gonna be increasingly customized manufacturing. Something that you need is going to be different than what I need. And so far, it's always been built in bulk, right? Instead of that, I can build for what you need and what I need. And then we can build just in time. And just in time Mm -hmm. has been... Something that Lean has done for a while, but we're talking about really like being able to build just in time and being able to service customer needs. And we're also talking about like new business models, right? So instead of like, I ship you the thing and I have no idea how you're using it, now I actually can monitor it. And, you know, I was talking to friends that work on these big transformers, which are deployed somewhere in the middle of nowhere. But now they can actually monitor that. They can look at that and they can say it's being operated optimally or not, reduce pollution. There's tons of use cases, but essentially, yeah, how you manufacture, how you service, who you manufacture for is all going to fundamentally change
0: using these technologies. Great. That was awesome, color. Thank you for that. Okay. So bringing it back to Zamelgo now, I want to talk about the team a little bit. So tell me about the team you've assembled and why, in your words, would you say this team is the team to do it, to build
1: this? Another huge learning of ours is if you're going to deliver solutions into manufacturing, you need a blended team of domain experts that includes like software and technology people, like as well as like manufacturing expertise as well. And so, yeah, we've been working really hard to find the best software engineers, as well as like the best people that can transition out of manufacturing, like into the tech world, right? And, mm-hmm. and really help us make sure that we're building the right solutions and even communicating them in a way that industry leaders can consume and digest and make sense of. And again, that might sound super simple, but quite honestly, when Akil and I left Hitachi and started to engage with manufacturers, <laughs> we were talking about digital twins and AI and machine learning and graph databases. And they were looking at us like, what are you even talking about? It was really super important for us to be able to basically change our language and be able to obviously communicate with the manufacturers and also even understand about lean manufacturing and even their languages as well. We feel like we've built like, quite honestly an amazing team and this is like a 25 year journey. And I mean, the thing that we love about these long tail markets is the best teams will win, right? I mean, this yeah. isn't like a sprint, right. this is an ultra marathon. And yeah, every time we bring on a new person, you know, we're thinking, what can this person do today and then what can they do five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now. And so with that type of approach, we can really hire based on values and culture fit and their aspirations and you know, work together to get those aligned with where we're going.
2: One thing I wanted to add to that is one of the key cultural tenants of our team has been listening. And, and mm. I know it's easier said than done, but I think particularly in this space, and Krit and I feel pretty proud when we're on a call with a customer and they say, I love your team because they listen. And I think that's been a key differentiator for us because like Krit said, we're not the startup which went off into a cave and said, listen, this is this amazing app and Mr. Manufacturer, you should be using this. We said, hey, what is your problem? Let us figure out how to solve it in the most efficient way possible. And so when we deliver these solutions or when we talk to customers about what we are doing, they're like, how do you know I have this problem? Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's almost like they're surprised. The reason I want to mention that is those are the people that we are also bringing on to the team. Everybody that comes on to our team has this deep-rooted desire to help the manufacturer, right? So they're like all mm-hmm. sitting out there. Every single engineer on our team goes on-site to customers, works with them, calls our team back saying, hey, they don't like this button. Why did you place it there? Place it somewhere else so that it's easier for them to use it and things like that. So I think that's been a key cultural component of ours which I think is helping us in this market and working with manufacturers and it's also every company has its own personality and I think it's helping us bring the right people together everybody who fits that personality sort of sticks who does not I think they usually understand and they leave but other than Rich and I a good portion of our core team actually came from Hitachi so half of our team are people that we've worked with for 7 to 10 years actually so I think which was also great because we just all jumped right in like we didn't have to like get to know each other and you know why are you doing this or why are you doing that we all just picked our roles and we were like let's go we know how to work together and i think that's also helped with other people that come in because that level of comfort and trust has also grown as more people have joined the team
0: oh that's great and i really appreciate you making the distinction about listening because you're right it feels so simple but it's actually such a profound thing that people forget about right? Because that equates to servant leadership and actually really, really serving your customers. You answered my question. I was going to ask if there's kind of a a word that articulates your culture best and maybe of another, but it really seems like you have that listening and a servant heart at the core of all your team members, which is fantastic. So my next question for you is about the startup journey at large, having both come from Patachi and deciding to jump ship and build this awesome rocket ship in Zamelgo. It's certainly both rewarding and and a challenging journey. And so based off of that, I just wanted to ask you both, like what really keeps you going, especially in moments where things are challenging and others may throw in the towel? What keeps you both on the track?
1: Honestly, it's the customers. I mean, it's just so amazing. Like when we present our solution, I mean, we've heard things like this is a generational leap forward. This is game changing. I have light bulbs going off like in seven different places where this can help us in our operation. I mean, yeah, they really do really like fuel the team and and energize us. The other aspect of that is the another solution can really be deployed by like any manufacturer. And we have, believe it or not, I mean, we have customers that have four people and they were working in Excel and now they're working, you know, in the logo app, right. And, And able to collaborate in there. We're going to be doing a rollout with Merck, which is a global pharmaceutical company. That's right. By the way, (laughs) that's (laughs) so awesome! It's amazing that we can help any manufacturer because they all have the same challenges, right? They all have raw material, they all have production, they all have finished goods inventory, they all have shipments, they all have assets, and so it's pretty cool that our solution can be used by a manufacturer of any size. We also have manufacturers in different sectors like space and pharmaceutical. As you know, we have an apparel manufacturer, medical devices, and so forth. And just to hear their challenges, their stories, how we can help them, it definitely energizes us. And even yesterday, like quite honestly, we were talking to a food bank in northern Washington, and they were like, this can help us with inventory management. Well, how cool is that? That yeah. the same solution can now help a food bank manage their inventory. And so, yeah, anyways, it, it's super motivating. No, that's really cool.
0: kill anything to add?
2: I don't know. That was a great answer. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> I think that's it. Is the customers? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, mean, I think it's interesting to us because a lot of startups are probably motivated by technology, right? And, and mm. again, I feel like we're so unique in that it's really motivated by the manufacturers and how we can help them. In some cases, I feel like if it wasn't even technology, we would do that as well. Whatever it might be. Yeah. I mean, we've gone on site and helped them like cycle count things. We've helped them, I think in some cases, even like rearrange their factory or their work cells.
2: Yeah. There are days where I feel like if we didn't do that, they don't have anybody else they could go to. Oh well, yeah. Which I feel I feel like actually, I, I keep telling all my friends who are doing startups, I was like, why don't you do a startup in manufacturing? You know, it's so cool. And they're like, it's so hard. And it is, but I think there are so many, the one, I think I've gotten the appreciation for so much more outside the technology world now. There are so many nice people trying to do stuff in such inefficient ways. Like I feel like as technology people, like we owe it to the shopkeeper next door or the manufacturer next door or the hospital next door to just build better software for them. I remember like we'd gone to, and I was telling this to my friends because they're thinking of a startup idea. and I was telling them like we had gone to this pharmacy earlier on. And I remember that pharmacy person like showing us their software and the way that software was built, like whoever wrote the database didn't even have like basic checking in them, right? So say you had 20 pieces of items and somebody accidentally put in 30, it would just show your inventory as minus 10. It wouldn't even like error out. And I'm like, nobody should be like running their business on stuff like that. I never thought of it this way till we started doing Zumalgo, and I'm like, there are so many places that technology can serve in so many better ways that I think as technologists, we owe it to the world to look outside our purview. Because I feel like a lot of developers find it easy to build software for other developers. Nothing wrong with that. But I think some of us should start looking at other businesses and start serving them also.
0: Well, and how cool to I mean, so much of both of your career has been entirely devoted to this. And then come to this juncture in this point where you are at the front line, helping them move boxes, helping them implement their sensors, let alone help them think about these, these huge grand digital transformation mm-hmm. strategies. So it's really cool. And kudos to you both and your whole team for what you're building. It's really special. So in closing here, I have one final question for you both. What right now do you need more of? How can any listeners tuning in right now get involved or help? I think Rich will have his ask if, for me, if there are any super sharp developers who want
2: to go change manufacturing, then we are hiring and please reach out to us.
1: (laughs) Yes, all developers, did you hear that? Come join this awesome team. (laughs) I mean, I would echo the same thing. We need developers, you know, that want to join the industrial revolution. There's just a tremendous amount of software that needs to be written. It's software that runs on the sensor. It's software that runs on the mobile phone. It's graph databases on the backend. You know, it's machine learning. This is absolutely full stack development. So yeah, anyone interested, yeah, we'd love to connect.
0: Great. Well, yes, reach out to us at Fuse. Anybody listening, we'll get you in touch with these great founders. Akilah Rich, thank you so much for joining me today. So inspired by you both and what you're working on and how you're going to transform so many people's lives. So thank you. And we at Fuse are grateful to be a part of the journey. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: As Akilah and Rich both mentioned, if you are a developer or in any other role and you're looking for your next journey, get in touch. There is no better time than now to get involved with a company that is forging the next industrial revolution. Feel free to reach out to SFTS, and we can get you in touch with the team. Thanks for listening. See you on the next one.